Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 10.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are uh, God with us. And, uh, and I pray, God, that as we dive into another one of these big questions, may we see uh, you, may we hold on to you. It's all in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, today we continue on in our series, uh, Explore God, where we are looking at seven big questions about life. And so far, uh, we have looked at the question, does life have a purpose? And we answered simply, yes, life has purpose, but the implications of that answer uh, really affect how we live. And what we got to is that our hope is that your purpose is more than something that can be taken from you, that that would be uh, found in your faith, something that can't be taken from you. And then last week we talked about this big question, is there a God? And again, we answered, yes, there is a God, and we know there's a God because he says that we should look in the places where he promises to be, which is his word, uh, in his sacraments, the Lord's Supper, and baptism, and amongst his community of believers. But, but for those who don't believe, that seems kind of silly. And so we looked at some other ways that we see God Uh, these reflections, rather, that are pointing to God, that are not God in and of themselves. And we talked about that being his creation, the relationships that we have, and even our desire for justice. And today, we look at what I would argue is probably the hardest or most heavy of these seven questions. One that is uh, filled with all kinds of emotion, all kinds of struggle, and all kinds of pain. And the question is, is this, why does God allow pain and suffering? And chances are you've probably asked this question before. I know I have. But I'll be very blunt here today that my hope for us this morning would be that when we experience suffering, it has us holding on to God instead of pushing him away. And as always, all of these questions, I'll be clear, this is my understanding. This is how Dave McGinley would answer these questions. I'm not coming from a different religious understanding. I come from a Christian perspective, but my hope today for us would have us clinging to God and not pushing him away. I remember uh, when I was a sophomore in college, I was at Winona State University in southern Minnesota, and uh, we had many days that were like today, where it's just way too cold outside. And uh, I took a class, and it was uh, with a guy named Hans Madlin. It was history before 1865. It's one of these classes that I had to take because of my major. And uh, the class began with like 50 people in the class, first day, first couple weeks. And as the weeks went on, the class whittled down to like less than 10. You've ever had one of these classes before, right? 
And, uh, and the reason for that was because Hans was mad. It was in his name, right? But he was mad. Like he had these assignments that every single class he would lecture for like 90 minutes and then he would assign about 150 pages of reading. And it wasn't anything like fun to read. It was like lots of details and, and history about American history before 1865 and all sorts of things like that. And I remember like, like spending countless hours trying to just consume this information. Because what would happen is that we would show up to class and Hans would go to the board and he'd write in cursive a question from that reading. And then we would have to, like, we'd have five minutes to answer that question. You would answer it on a blank sheet of paper and then you'd have to hand it to your neighbor and they would grade your paper. You've had this happen before, right? And you're like bribing your neighbor, like, come on, help me out here. Give me, give me just an right answer. And, and more times than not, I did terrible in this class. And as the class went on, it began to reorganize my priorities. I had my own little spot in the library, which I didn't even know existed before this class. I spent hours reading, wearing out highlighters and underlining and trying to comprehend the words that were being said. And when I got my final grade for Hans Madlin's class, I received a D. And I earned that D, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I struggled for that D. And I, I remember being proud, like going to my parents and being like, Mom and Dad, I got a D, and you have no idea how well I did in this class, right? And, and I've heard somebody say before that we should never try to understand your circumstances from the middle of your circumstances, but we can look back at our circumstances and find meaning. And as I was going through Hans's class, I thought the meaning of this class would be that I would get an A, that I would work so hard, and that that's what the meaning of all of this was. But as I look back, I realize that there was something greater, something deeper that I was being taught, something more about suffering and moving forward in the midst of that pain and suffering. And I know what you might be thinking right now. Like, all right, dude, suffering and you're going to refer to a class that you took as a sophomore in college. Man, your life is really tough. Because as I think about that example, I'm willing to admit that yeah, I can look back and see that that taught me a lesson. But in the midst of this world, suffering doesn't always work out that way. In fact, just like three weeks ago, uh, it was the one year anniversary of my good friend, uh, Dave Sherrod Williams, who was killed. And when I look at that moment, I question to God, why? 36 years old, a father of four, why, God, would that have to happen? I have friends that, to this day and have had friends before that have experienced pain of losing young children. And when those things happen, I too come forward with a question. Why, God? Why does that have to happen? 
And I know that there are people here sitting today that are struggling with anxiety and fears that are very real. And it leads me to a place of where I too wonder, God, why in the world would anxiety and pain have to happen? And so it's for this reason that we get to this really big question. Why does God allow pain and suffering? It's a justifiable question. And the argument goes like this. The argument typically says that if God is truly good, then he would not allow pain to happen. But if he allows pain, then he must not be all that powerful. Or to break it down another way, it says that if God is all powerful and pain happens in this world, then he must not be good. And what the argument states is that God can't be powerful and good. That these things can't work together. And today, my hope would not be to offer some simple example when I was a sophomore in college to this huge problem, to this huge question. But instead, I want to look at this in two realms because this is how I would answer this question. I think there's two ways to look at this. One through this realm of a philosophical lens that's known as the hidden God. And another that is through the revealed God that works on our heart. And to begin, I, I want to begin with this important term that has been used to talk about this very question. It's known as a theodicy. And it gets to the question of why does God allow this to happen? A theodicy is simply a theory or justification of God's ways to human beings. A theodicy desires to give an answer to the big question of why. Its goal is to explain why a just God allows evil to come into existence and to continue into this world. And looking through this philosophical lens, a theodicy desires to answer that very question. And, and when I've uh, experienced life and I've heard people come forward, I hear these two big theodicies that are typically common. The first one is this. It's known as the greater good theodicy or like a refiner's fire. And in this theodicy, what is said is that God is uh, said to permit evil because he's ultimately using it to bring about greater good. That God permits evil because he's going to use it for a greater good. And there's no doubt that the majority of us could think about many circumstances in our lives when something bad has happened, example, history before 1865, and think that God is working something good ultimately out of it. That, that given enough time, God, in his wisdom, could work out all evil, even for his good. Simple phrases like maybe you've heard this before, God never closes a door without opening a window, fall into this theodicy. But when I hear this theory, it falls short for me. 
Because truthfully, I don't know that pain always leads to some greater good. That pain that that happens in our lives isn't just like some test that we have, but sometimes the pain that we experience in this world is very final and comes with death. It does not always work this way. And how do you justify the death of young, young children and infants that happen? But the second great theodicy that I hear is one that's known as the free will theodicy. <clears throat> and according to this thinking, if God wanted a world without any possibility of pain, he would have created a world without any possibility of free choice or true love. Essentially, he would have created a world of robots. But God chose, because of love, to not make us into robots, but give us choices and decisions all the time. And with that freedom comes great responsibility, but also comes great pain and sorrow in this world. But when I hear this theodicy, it brings about two big glaring problems for me. The first being that many of the decisions that I have come to in my life are not my own choosing. That yes, I have a free will and I can decide to do many things, but there are many other factors that have come to lead to the decisions and choices that I make every single day. In fact, there seems to be something bigger that is going on in the midst of this life. The second reason I see a fault in this theodicy is that how do you account for natural disasters and things that happen in this world? I mean, sometimes people will say silly things like, well, it's because we litter that hurricanes come. And I'm not sure I see the connection there. But this world is filled with brokenness and pain. So here's the point, simply put. My desire and what I have done as a pastor and would urge you as a community of believers is to stop using these things. They're not helpful. In fact, when we try to just give simple answers to these really complex why questions, it leads us into a place that they can be incredibly hurtful. I mean, imagine somebody comes up to you and shares that I am going through this huge moment of pain in my life. And your response is, well, you know, when you were in grammar school, you stole that candy bar from me on Valentine's Day, and that was my Snickers bar, and now the world is just getting back at you. Or to say simple things, like, as pain is happening, for you to come forward and say, you know, God's going to make you better in this. I would advise you to lean back a little bit because somebody's going to probably swing at you in that moment. It's not the appropriate response to bring in the midst of pain and suffering. So then the question becomes, all right, thanks, Pastor. I won't say those very things, but what in the world am I supposed to do then? Do I just not say anything? Do I just remain silent? 
What I would offer today is that, that we would stop using theodicies and try to explain the hidden God. We can't explain all of his ways. But what we should do is make a defense and point to the revealed God. In fact, let me offer this. That if we abandon God, if the reason that you don't believe is because there's pain and suffering in this world, I would argue that not believing in God does not remove pain and suffering in this world. Like they don't seem to work together in this. Just because you believe doesn't mean that you're void of pain or any kind of suffering. And if you don't believe, doesn't mean that like life is terrible for you either. In fact, Jesus would say these words in Matthew 5, 45. He says uh, that he, God, makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. See, we have to move away from this thought that pain and suffering are dependent upon me as if my actions bring pain into this world. I think it's something bigger and greater than that. In fact, what Christians believe and have confessed since the beginning is that this place is broken. This place is not how it's supposed to be. And do I contribute to the brokenness of this world? Absolutely, 100%. Talk to my wife after church. Talk to my kids. I contribute to the brokenness in this world. I, am, I have fallen short of what God has asked me to do. But is the brokenness of this world dependent upon Dave McGinley? No, it's not. It's been broken before I got here and will continue to be. When we look at this world, we need to have an understanding that it is broken, that it's in need of repairing, that it's in need of saving. But this is so important. If we abandon God because of pain and suffering in this world, and if we abandon God because we look around and see the brokenness that exists around us, we will also abandon the forces that God has given us to face it. I'll say this again. If we abandon God because of pain and suffering, we abandon also the forces that God has given us to face it. And that leaves us to holding on to not the hidden God, the why question, but to the revealed God, the one who has come into this world. It's interesting because when I look at the Bible, one of the things that's so fascinating for me is that, that I love that it's not just a book of rules in how to live your life. It's not an instruction manual for here's how I'm supposed to do all things in life. But you read these stories of characters of people. In fact, every major character that I read in the Bible, guy or girl, no matter the time or history, we read of times where they, they seem to have gotten things right and how God desired and created it to be, but you also see times where they fall short. 
of what is supposed to be and happen. And they live in a world that is like the world that we live in. Sure, they didn't have iPhones and all sorts of social media platforms, but they experience pain and brokenness like you and I do, including the God-man, Jesus himself, who comes into this place and sees the brokenness that exists. And what I believe is that the Bible isn't a book for or about your life, but instead it is pointing to this main character, Jesus, who enters into the world, into this brokenness. And an author in the scriptures, a guy named Paul, he wrote this, these words that we just read. He said that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh So death is at work in us, but life is in you. Pain and suffering are not foreign to the revealed God, to Jesus himself. When he came into this world, he experienced pain and suffering that is happening and going on. And it is for that very reason that he went to the cross. That he came and he died and he rose again for that pain and suffering that we experience. I love this quote C.S. Lewis once wrote. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. What we see in pain and suffering here is that God is not void of those moments and things, but he is alive and active in them. And I know that that can seem strange to hear, but it is what he promises to be and do. So again, all right, if I don't, answer those questions of why, and I just say, I don't know why pain happens. And if I'm supposed to look at the revealed God and what he has done, and he bore, he took on that pain and suffering, what does that tangibly look like? Well, great question. I think there are like four Four actions to take here, appropriate actions in the midst of our pain and suffering that I would love for us to embrace as a community of believers. The first one is this, that we would learn the art of weeping. For whatever reason, we've created a culture inside of the church that we don't allow people to weep. And I think it's because we think that if I come with my pain and sorrow that when I weep that's seen as me not trusting or believing in God but contrary to what I read in scripture all the time I see of people who 
come to God in their weeping. In fact, one of the simplest Bible passages, and if you've never memorized a verse, this one's for you. John eleven thirty five. 35, it says this, that Jesus wept. That's literally the whole verse. And that comes in the context of one of Jesus's friends, a guy named Lazarus, who dies. And Jesus, in the midst of all of the pain and chaos that is happening there, he comes and he weeps with the people. In fact, in the book, or in the Bible, we see a book that is literally called Lamentations. It is a book that is devoted to lamenting, to crying out to God. There's a genre of psalms. The 150 psalms are 14 psalms that are known as psalms of lament. Seven of those are, are psalms of crying out to God because of the brokenness, the sin that I've committed and bringing that to a holy God. And then seven of those psalms are the brokenness of this world that we're experiencing and crying out to God in the midst of them. I need you to know that it is okay to weep. It is okay to cry. It is okay to be upset. The second important, appropriate action that we have is to trust. What I mean by that is looking at the words that Paul said. So death is at work in us, but life is in you. We will not always know why God brings or why there is pain in this world. And truthfully, as the pastor of this church This is really frustrating for me. I would love to have just all of the answers that you come and bring your pain and suffering and I could be like, you know what God's doing right now? He's really molding you for something else. But if I could do that, that would make me God and you would start worshiping me and that's not a good thing. We're not God. We will not always know, but we come to him and we trust in him in the midst of pain and suffering. In fact, last week we talked about this using the image of a broken chair that was put back together by glue. Do you remember this? That an act of faith seen in trust, it would be like a friend comes forward and says, hey, I fixed that broken chair. I glued it all together and it looks like this. And for you to say that you believe that that is true is not just to look at it and be like, yep, that chair is fixed, looks good. But to actually believe that would to go and sit in that chair, to trust the words that have been spoken. And an appropriate action for us in the midst of our pain is to sit in that pain, but to sit in the promises that God has brought. We hold on to what he has said. The third thing, appropriate action, is that we would pray. We see once again in the life of Jesus that he, in the midst of pain and suffering, came to God and would pray in that moment. In fact, probably a famous moment of this was in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus was uh, betrayed by Judas He was waiting for his arrest to happen right before he was about to be crucified. And Jesus comes and he says to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. We see that an appropriate action for us in the midst of pain and suffering is to pray, 
to cry out to God. And lastly, we see an appropriate action is one to hope. To have hope. The reality is is that each of us will experience death. It is a guarantee in this life. But for those who believe, there is hope. We hold on to the hope that there is something more in place, something greater that is happening and going on. I love these words that Paul wrote that we read. So we do not lose heart that though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is our hope that is found in the revealed God by his death and resurrection. But when I was studying for this, it got me thinking, as one of my friends has asked me before, isn't, isn't Christianity in general just some big theodicy? I mean, isn't it seem like it's just some sort of theory that's used to like feel better when grandma dies? And if that's, that's your question, man, that is a, that is a great, great question. But, I, but to answer that, I would go back to being clear on what a definition or what a theodicy actually is. A theodicy is a theory or justification of God's ways to human beings. And for me, my faith is not just some theory. My faith isn't looking to a book that was written thousands of years ago that that has some kind of metaphorical image that's going on, that that this Jesus was some mythical figure that came and like did a bunch of cool stuff and then gives us some instruction how to live. No, my faith is rooted in a God who said that in three days I will rise again and they are still looking for his body. They don't know where he is. And so my faith is not rooted in some sort of theory, but is rooted in a fact that God has conquered sin, death, and the devil by how he said he would do it. And so I place it in that very thing, not in some theodicy to justify the actions that have happened, but to place it in the revealed God and what he has done. And so, nowhere in the Bible do we see a clear, simple answer that fully explains suffering and death in this world. But the whole Bible deals with pain and suffering as people experienced it. And Jesus would say that we would continue to experience that even here today. So if that's true, if it's true that we live in a world that is broken, and filled with pain and suffering. The question becomes, where are you today? I know that as I was thinking about these words and this heavy question, 
Even this morning, receiving a text message from a good friend who is in the midst of chemo treatments, I see and experience pain and suffering in this world. And so as God tugs at your heart here this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to take that appropriate action and step. When you came in the church here this morning, you received this like sheet of paper. Randy, can I get your blank one right there, please? Thanks. When you came in, you received this uneven cut sheet of paper. And, and what I want you to do right now, we're going to have uh, the band is going to come up as soon as I start praying. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to take one of these appropriate actions. With, with, a, with this sheet of paper and with a pen, all I want you to do is simply just write, maybe, a, maybe it's a name of somebody that's going through this pain that you're just weeping for right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's a scenario or situation that, that, that's of work and you just... You're just trusting God and you're just bringing that to him again or, or a, a moment of just something that is in greater need for prayer or that you need to be reminded of the hope that comes in Jesus. And what I want you to do today is to bring that forward and you can come and I want you to place it here up on the cross right here. And I know that this won't fix or solve the problems that you are going through and the pain that you are experiencing. But I pray that this would be a moment for you today that we all need to be reminded as we experience suffering in this world that we're looking toward the cross, looking to our God and the pain that he experienced but also experiencing the resurrection that he promises to bring for those who believe. So again, today, my hope for us is that when we experience pain and suffering in this world, that it has us holding on to God instead of pushing him away. I'd like to invite the band forward at this time, and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you, God, have come into this world, that in the midst of pain and suffering that is experienced in many different ways, God, you are not void of that pain. And God, as we bring these big why questions forward, and want to know what, what's the end goal, what's the end game. May we be reminded again today that your promise is that you will work all things out for good. And we don't necessarily understand that right now, but we know that you are good. And that with death in you always comes a resurrection. That is the only hope, the only reason that we are here, God. And so I pray, God, that that would be experienced here once again today. 
It's in Jesus' name. Amen. The band is going to sing a song, a hymn known as It Is Well. And during this time, as you are ready, you're welcome, if you feel comfortable, to come forward and just like they did, hang those pain and sorrows to our revealed God again.